So my preach this morning will be on when things don't go the way you want them to go. Good morning, my name is Derek, and uh, we launched our new series this morning out of the book of Ruth. And uh, I'm really excited. It's a, it's a beautiful short story. It's rated as the most beautiful short story ever written. Just the amount of detail in it, what it covers, uh, what it addresses, and how it represents the kingdom so beautifully. It's the eighth book in the Old Testament. And what's beautiful is eight always represents new beginnings. And Ruth is the story of new beginnings. (laughs) I want to ask you this morning, if you are comfortable with a new beginning. Because so often we get stuck in the old ways, the old systems, that the new beginning is more daunting than what we've been stuck with all along. So this morning, as we get started, I want you to keep in mind that when the, the books in the Bible, the 66, when it's written to us, it's not all parables. It's real stories that happened. And too often we read the historical events we read it as a parable as a a nice reference but this is in the old testament like i said the eighth book it is a real story that happened and it is so significant because it goes from a place of what is quite a mess to something that is exceptionally successful i'm going to open in prayer and we're going to get going heavenly father i i thank you for what you have prepared what you have set up what has been laid out, Lord God, for your children. And I just pray your blessing over us this morning, over me as I speak, and over every hearer of your word. Lord, I pray that nothing that is from me will have any traction, but we want to hear from the throne room of heaven. So we honor our King. We just ask your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Lord, for those that are sitting here this morning that need a new beginning, for those that need a reset, that need a restart, I pray that as I read the story of what you've done before, that it will be like a testimony, a do it again for those that need something of a new start. We honor you, our King. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, great name. Um, if you're pregnant and you've got a boy on the way, that's a good name. It means God is my king. It's safe. And the name of his wife, Naomi, a wonderful name, means this one is sweet. It's a sweetness to her. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Chilion sorry. These are not such great names. This, the one's name means dead and the other one means destruction. So it would be like people who had children during COVID saying, well, this is my son COVID and this is Corona. Um, We're expecting typhoid and syphilis very soon. Um, Well, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. This This is drama on a Shakespearean level. I'm terrified of what God's gonna do in a place called House of Bread. So anything Beth in scripture, Beth means house of, Bethlehem, house of bread. It's, I'm gonna go from the house of bread where God has called me and I'm gonna go do my own thing. This is very wise. 
Not that we've ever done that. This is possibly for only those people online this morning. Where we do exactly, and it's not the opposite of what God wanted. It's just not what God had told Elimelech to do. He had never said, take your sweet wife and your problems and go. And then don't take them to Moab. Moab, Moab was a dreadful place where the Moabites, so the history of the Moabites, you, you read about the Ammonites and the Moabites. They were the two children born from Lot's daughters that Lot got pregnant. So, you have the Ammonites and the Moabites that come from it, and this is the problem. When you do what God has not told you to do, it will Moabites you in the butt. Anyway. But the husband of Naomi died, and she was left with her two sons. Verse 4. These took Moabite wives. Fantastic. Let's make it worse. The name of the one was Oprah. Sorry, no, it's Orpah. And the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Kilion died. Shock. Imagine doing the funeral for this guy. Today we're going to bury death and sickness. And the woman was left without her sons and her husband. She's sitting now, when a wife lost her husband in those days, that was basically the end. Um, that's why the Bible really calls for the church to look after widows and children. It's the call because they're the ones that never brought the calamity on themselves. It's been handed out to them by just chaos. And so the church gets called to, they call to look after them because it is such a disaster. It is such a mess to have this woman that's the two wives plus Naomi, the mother, that's been abandoned now, left. No one to take care of them, having run away from the house of bread and now in this disastrous place of Moab. And so I want to quickly get stuck on the spot for a while. And I want to speak to parents this morning. Where you raise your children is important. Who you let your children hang out with is even more important. You should not be spending time with people that you would, wouldn't want your children to become. You cannot hang out with people. You cannot have your children exposed to people and then that are dreadful and then somehow expect them to turn out to be something else. Your children will become who you hang out with. If you're going to spend time, I'm not going to target the drinkers, but if you're going to spend time getting drunk in front of your children, you're cultivating a problem. You need healing. If you're, going to, if you're going to cultivate an environment in your household where you, the husband and wife continuously fight with each other and scream at each other, you have a problem. You want a word from God? Stop doing it. In the name of the Lord. There. The people you spend time with, the people that you hang out with, your children will see that you find that acceptable and they grow into that. Now, I have to say this. It's different when you're on mission. It's different when you're on mission because you get to areas where you, you're trying to see the places change, where you're trying to see environments change. But you need to teach your children about Jesus. You need to teach your kids about Jesus. If you cannot present the gospel, don't have children. 
And if you've got children and you don't know how to present the gospel, learn how to present the gospel. Teach your children the Bible. Read the Bible to them. I'm very blessed with uh, my two daughters were really tormented by the enemy as they grew up. So, and I say I was really blessed because there was no ways that I would let, they would leave the house or go to bed at night without me spending time praying with them and reading the word over them because if I didn't, they'd be tormented. Best thing ever. And I say that because it cultivated something in them that, Dad, if we don't spend time in the word, if we don't spend time praying, the enemy gets to attack me. Then obviously as they got older, I'd say to them, you pray, you read the word until you get to a point where you're stepping back saying, now fight. They're about three years old at this stage. No, like 13, 14, getting to that age, I'm saying, now you get to fight. Our children have to be taught that the fight is real because the enemy will first try and convince you that he's not real, that there's no attack on your family and everything is la-di-da. That's what he does. And everything's a conspiracy theory and everything's just a lie and we don't have to worry about anything. Then the enemy comes in and attacks your kids and then we send them to the world to see them restored and repaired. And I'm, all, I'm, I'm for therapy, I'm pro-therapy works, godly therapy. Uh, the Jesus-based therapy works. But if you can get your children built into the Word of God, that's where they'll run to when there's chaos. Moms and dads, you don't have the right to continuously make poor decisions. Have I settled that? All right, then I can say this. However, while there's this, there's this ridiculous chaos, Elimelech is dead, Naomi's been widowed, her two sons have died, she has no one in her house to take care of her, she's got Orpah and she's got uh, Ruth with her, it's an absolute catastrophe, they are foreigners in a different country, a country that has not embraced them, they are lost, they are broken, but what's incredible is as we go through the story, you'll start realizing God has been plotting something phenomenal, God is plotting our chaos does not mean God is not plotting and scheming stuff the whole time. Like, are you saying that God is a schemer? Yes. And he's plotting stuff and he's not telling you about it. Because you wouldn't understand. He's withholding things from you. He's keeping things from you that you think are good. And he's going, I have something better. Now, he did not kill Kilion and Malon. He did not kill Elimelech. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. But if this is where your protection is, and you want to live there, and God's saying, this is your covering, this is your protection. Walk in my will and way. And you're going, I like this area. Then deal with that. Lord, I hate the rain, but I want a beautiful garden. Lord, I love the desert, but I want beautiful grass. It doesn't work that way. You want what he's giving, live where he's called you to live. And somebody said to me yesterday, why Springfield? If God has called you to the nations, why would you go to Springfield? Because God sent Springfield. And the person looked at me, she said, that's the only reason why you'd come here. I don't know about that. They obviously, they have a challenge of the place. But you want to live in the place that God has called you to live in. 
Now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I've been feeling that I should leave and go to another country. This is my confirmation. It isn't. It's a reference. It's a story I'm telling you. But we have to learn to be obedient. Teach your children. Love them. Tell them about Jesus. Allow them to understand the enemy is real. They are hated. Your children, but loved by you. I feel like this isn't settling in your hearts this morning. I've got to send you to Sunday school. I speak life and prosperity and a long life over your children. May you never have to attend their funerals. If they went to be, if they were standing before God right now in judgment, would Jesus recognize them and say, this is mine, I know him, or not? Pursue discipling the greatest disciples you'll ever have, your children. Pursue developing them. Pour your lives into them. God will work things for our good, but you cannot constantly throw your lives away. Let's go on. Um, I, want, I made a note here. Just, it says in the, in, the, in the days of the judges, this was a bad season. During the judges, it was a bad season. Um, it, it, the nation would sin and then they'd come out of it because they'd be a good leader then they'd sin again and go back into chaos then God would raise up another judge and bring them out of it and there was this constant seesawing of going into chaos then God bring them out and so don't ever say it's getting worse we have a bad government I'm from Africa you don't know what a bad government is yet you don't because they had bad government then but we pray for good leaders. We pray for godly leaders. Thursday night, 6 p.m., we're praying for our leaders. We're going to pray. Thursday night, we're going to pray for the President of the United States. We're going to bring him before God and say, God, Lord, take him out. No. We're going to say, Lord, I'm joking. Lord God, bless him. The favor, your favor, your wisdom, your strategy, your mind to rest on him, to bring radical change, Lord. We pray to you for him. Stop moaning at everyone else about the guy. What? He's enthroned on the praises of your Facebook. Yeah. Bible says post without ceasing. Come to a prayer meeting and we trust for breakthrough. Because guess what? You going around and complaining hasn't achieved much, has it? Change your strategy. Let's go. Verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab, that's where they used to worship a, a god named Chemosh, that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Can we live lives that will have the unsaved go, I want what they have? That it will be said, let's go to their, their church because there's bread. Let's go to their home because there's peace. Let's spend time with them because there's grace and mercy and favor and there's something different that our lives represent that. That people will be drawn to us. People will be drawn to the king through our lives. Never have a ministry where people are drawn to you. 
It will exhaust you. It will burn you out. Never have a, a family group. Never have a meeting. Never that draws people to you. That attracts people to you. Because you'll have to sustain that. You draw them to Jesus. He'll sustain it. Even in your worst seasons. Verse 7. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them. They lifted up their voices and they wept. It's this, this sad moment where the last bit of family is now being broken apart. We need to have relationships like that. We need to love like that, that the idea of us being broken apart makes us weep. Not just family, but church family. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I, ho I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons would you therefore wait till they have grown would you therefore refrain from marrying no my daughters for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand now she blames the Lord that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me then they lifted up their voices and wept again and Orpah kissed her, her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her and she said see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to ref return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything, but death departs me from you. She makes covenant in this moment. A woman who has brought her nothing, a woman that has given her nothing, can offer her no future. She says, I'm going to make covenant with you through thick or thin. Oh, what a day it would be if the church responded to each other like that. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. The woman said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? They make bad decisions blame God <clears throat> my name is sweetness because that's what I represent my husband makes poor decisions we go to a bad place it's chaos I'm blaming God I know we don't do that but I've heard of Christians who do I know that's not how we would do things we go into the wrong 
We get involved with the wrong people. We go live in the wrong place. We get up to mischief. We do stupid things. Uh, we want everyone's blessing. Everyone's got to say it's okay. And we're high-fiving each other. And then when it doesn't work out, instead of stepping back going, messed that one up, didn't I? <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. God, it's you. I'm going to name myself bitter. Instead of sweet lady, all of a sudden, Naomi's bitter old hag. Great brand of makeup, I think, you know, good foundation. Can we not do that? Where we do things that are irresponsible and then blame God for it? Where we're reckless and then we, what have you done, God? That can we become people that make decisions based on what God has said so we can truly live saying, it doesn't matter what happens, I trust Him. It's terrifying. In all honesty, I look back at my family and I uh, over the, the, the last year and what we've done as far as leaving what would seem safe and secure and then uh, kind of sell everything and come here. And in the moment, it's exciting and it's actually terrifying. But you hang on to Jesus because if you make a small mistake, it's going to be catastrophic. We look back and we go, we're mad. <laughs> That's what our lives should look like. Where we live an adventure for the king, where we're hanging on him all the time. We hang on what he's saying. We hang on to what he's calling us to do. Is your life an adventure or do you go to, you get up, you have coffee, you go to work, you go home, you eat? Repeat. Is that all you do? And then being a Christian means you come to church. This is where we come to rest. This is not serving. All of those that serve, communion, worship team, great preaching, all the guys up there, community said, thank you. We should all be serving. But this is not the mission. But we should be out there living a mission going, if it doesn't work out, I'm in trouble. I'm going to get arrested. If this isn't God, I'm stuffed. As opposed to the safe little life. Our decisions need to be spot on. Our, the choices we make must be the right ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Naomi, verse 22, and so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. When they left, there was a famine they go into chaos, they come back, and there's the significance of that statement, and there's a barley harvest, means there's a new season coming. There's a new season where there's going to be food, there's a new season of promise, there's a new season of hope. By the way, Ruth and Boaz, they get together. I'll tell you the story, read the whole story, it takes 12 minutes. Ruth and Boaz get together, they get married, they have a kid, Obed, dreadful name. Obed has Jesse, Jesse has David, David is the part of the genealogy of Jesus. So the story ends beautifully when we're willing to actually go back to where God has called us to. We have to return. There's redemption. The, the series we're calling is Redeeming Ruth. There's redemption if we're willing to return what God has called us to. There's redemption if we're willing to walk in obedience. There's redemption if we're willing to go, it doesn't matter how tough, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable, it doesn't matter what God says, I'll do it. There's, there's, a, there's a redemption. 
not being redeemed to be saved. If you're not born again, you're not redeemed, you're going to hell. That, was, that, that offends me. I do not care. Trust me, hell is way more offensive. You need Jesus. You have to give your life to Jesus. You have to surrender to him because you're a sinner and you're depraved and you're nothing without him. And then he's paid the price for you to, to receive the gift of salvation. There is no other way. You cannot behave. Now I know most of you guys are good, but there's some folk watching us online that need to hear this. Are you good at that? But the depravity of man needs the goodness of the Father released through Jesus Christ so we can receive him in faith and we are then born again. That's redemption. But there's some of you sitting here this morning that got born again, but you've gone and made a whole lot of silly decisions and a whole lot of silly mistakes, and you need to come back to what God has called you to. Some of you have laid down a call of God on your life, and you've laid it down because, oh, somebody offended me. Well done. That's what people do. So shake it off. There was a cricket this morning, crazy. This big had Susan terrified on the table. So she came in and she said, will you move it? I flick it away. This thing disappears. I don't want to do anything because my daughters are there and Susan's watching me. But when I walked away, I'm like, if it's on me. <laughs> Can we do that with the offense that we're carrying? It got me, but oh, I'm not letting the devil get that of me. Can we just shh? I don't want that. And I still feel it on me. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. It's, we cannot embrace the new season if we're not going to let go of the old season. It's, it's in Philippians 3, it says, letting go of the past, straining forward. It's putting in the effort. I'm letting that go. I'm going to what he's calling me into. <laughs> we have to return our mindsets back to the original plan of God. And, and a lot of you have kind of grown spiritually in this church and then something happens, something disappoints you or something challenges us and we go, perhaps, maybe, the, maybe healing is just for, isn't for me. Maybe healing isn't, maybe it's not really for today. Maybe healing is more I was watching a guy on YouTube the other day, and healing is more just for, you know, the first century. It was a good video on YouTube. The lighting was great. The sound was good. And I watched this guy. Maybe the Holy Spirit isn't really working through us like he used to, but he's here to comfort us and make us just, it's a tough season that we're in. You know, America, so many jobs available, almost no unemployment. Gas prices are high. God forbid the fuel price goes higher. But maybe God isn't really wanting to use me. It's, it's just, you see, what happens is we start allowing the stuff to drip feed into us and drip feed into us. And we get to a point, and today's a point we've got to say, I'm going to return to what God has called me to believe once again. Poor decisions, poor things that I've watched, junk that I've read. Coming back. He's a healer. He's in me. He's going to use me. I'm plan A. There is no plan B. He, I, I'm not that side. We're the sanctified this morning, guys. We, <laughs> we, Melissa. <laughs> we need to, we need to return, friends. 
So we're going to spend some time in prayer, but I want to do this with you this morning. I want to give you an eight test list for decision making. It's eight tests that you run through for any decision you have to make. It's all in scripture, and this will allow you to make decent decisions. Can we do it? Lord, help them. Lord, help me. This, this scriptural test is the first one. Has God already spoken about it in his word? 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If it's done in scripture, you get to do it. Woohoo, concubines, here we come. No. Righteousness. What God has called us to. Oh, well, God never spoke about electric guitars, but given Kate and Red, we worship him with stringed instruments. Oh, well, I don't know if I should study IT. I don't know. God says you must have a job. Get a job. Test number one, it has to be scripturally based, whatever you're going to do. Test number two, the secrecy test. Would it bother me if anyone knew that this was my choice? Proverbs 11, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. If, as you make a decision, if it's okay, if everyone knew what you were doing, that's a good test. That's a terrifying test. Sometimes in this test, I go, I don't want to answer that one. And this is not to judge us, this is to guide us. This is like a GPS. Imagine you're sitting in your vehicle and your, your GPS says to you, turn left. I won't. I won't listen to this woman. I will not be taught by a woman where to go. I'll turn right. Anyway, the third one, the survey test. What if everyone followed my example? 1 Timothy 4, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If everyone did what I did, I throw this out at leaders all the time. If every person behaved the way you behaved, would the gospel explode or would it die? Well, I go to church. Wonderful. And? So will it set an example for everyone to look at and go, if I did that, I'd be happy. The fourth, the spiritual test. Am I being pressured by people or led by the Spirit? Galatians 1.10, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Yeah, there's, there's wisdom in the counsel of many, but there's perfection in the wisdom of Christ. The stumbling test. Could this cause another person to stumble? Romans 14, 21. Is it good not to eat meat or drink wine? Or do anything that causes your brother to stumble? It is good not to. It's good not to. Not law, but what, am I do what I'm doing. I would, love, I would love to be able to have a nice glass of red wine. I love the taste. I love everything about it. I cannot drink. I may not drink. I'm allergic to alcohol. It makes me angry and then I punch people. So I drink 
the other person swells up. Craziest thing. <laughs> when I first got saved, I would contend not to spend time with people who were drinking because it would cause me to stumble. I had to stay away from that. Well, brother, I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. That's great. Let me know how that works out for you. I do not want to do anything either that would cause other people to stumble. Go back to my original statement. What are you teaching your children? Can everything I've said this morning, can it apply to the way you are raising your children? Or do we have one persona in church? Everything's wonderful, brother. Everything's perfect. I'm too stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm on fire for the Messiah. And then we get, in the, we get in our car on the way home and we're swearing at our wives and we're hitting our kids and we're cussing everything and we're losing our minds. Our children are being exposed to hypocrites and it's you. Stop it. Not you. I'm speaking to them online. Online. I need to just get the guys that run that system to type in on the screen. He's kidding. He's talking about everyone in the room. The serenity test, number six. I've prayed and received peace about this decision. Philippians 4, 6 covers this well. Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Most of us, we're just happy with the serenity test. Oh, I have peace. I'm going to get my way. Of course I'm going to have peace. I'm going to marry this Muslim girl, but I have peace about it. Yes, because she's hot. So I have peace about it, but the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. Yes, but I'll get her saved. If Jesus hasn't got her saved yet, you're not going to get her saved. So, the serenity test, it's one of them. It's not all of them. Well, I have peace. Jonah slept in the boat. I have peace about my decision. I think he had rum in him. Because when I picture Jonah, I think Jack Sparrow, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> you will never read that again the same way. They're throwing stuff off the ship. They go, they drag him out, and he's sleeping. And oh, what's going on? Throw me in. And they throw him in the water. I think it's brilliant. Serenity is not the proof that God's in it. It's one of the tests. Because even Jesus slept on the boat as well. It's one of the tests. The sanctification test, number seven. Will this keep me from growing in, character, in the character of Christ? 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If this stops me from being transformed into the likeness of Christ, I don't want to do it. If this makes me angry, if this makes me frustrated, if this hurts me growing into the likeness of Christ, I cannot do it. It's just for a short season. It's just, it's temporary. It's just for... Don't do it. And then the last one, the supreme test. The supreme test is this. Does this glorify God? So that whether you drink or eat, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's crazy when you take these eight 
tests and put them against decisions you've made in your life in the past and you go it works and you put them over decisions you've made and it was an absolute disaster you go it makes sense because it's the word of God this is not a man-made test this is the word of God that we get to use and we have to use the word as a filter in our lives who have you don't put your hands up please have you ever typed something on social media and not one of those <laughs> and then had something deleted Okay. and then you get to delete it I think it's fantastic that we get to edit it and remove comments that we have made because what's happening is we've written it down I think what you have to do is some of you are you're facing a big decision that you have to now make you're facing a challenge I believe you need to write it down and say Lord what are you going to do with me in this what does it look like you take these eight points you put it as a filter over it and go Lord does my destiny in you grow in this decision or not if it's no do not sacrifice don't sacrifice temporary satisfaction for a permanent potential derailment and he's able to restore and redeem but how far is too far where we've created challenges for ourselves how many bridges have we burnt we've severed friendships and we've caused pain and heartache because we haven't listened to what God has said and some of you need to walk away from some relationships because this returning to God means you have to leave others behind. Some of the great people. We left a whole lot of really good people back in South Africa. Amazing people, close friends. Some of them we, still, we phone each other every day. We have to time it nice. It's not always bad. It's just I had to leave them so that I could walk into what God has called me into. Because God isn't that preoccupied with my comfort. He's preoccupied with His call on my life. And when you surrender to Jesus, part of that surrender is saying, Lord, I come under you now. Your will be done, not mine. So this morning I want to challenge you. It's time for us to return to some basics. I ask you to bow your heads with me, please, as we pray. You don't need to respond to this, but I want to speak over your lives this morning that where we have wandered away, We've wandered away spiritually. There's something that has died or is busy dying in our lives where we are convinced that the power of God, that the power of Holy Spirit is real and for today. We've stepped away from the faith that we originally had. Something's happened and we've stepped away. Actually, I'm, I'm going to ask you to respond because I'm going to pray with you. But with everyone's eyes closed, I don't want this to be an embarrassing factor. If you need something of a reignition, a re as you return this morning, as you make a conscious decision, I'm not going to walk 
in the opinions of man, I'm going to walk based on what God has called me to do. If you're sitting here this morning, and I want you to be honest, if you're sitting here this morning and you're going, I stopped believing, I stopped having faith, there's something that's shifted in my heart, I need to go back to the basics again, I'm not going to call you to the front at all, I just want you to raise your hand. That's you, well done, well done, it's good. So, it's just an acknowledgement that we need him to do the work. That's good, you can put your hands down. I want you just to pray this, Lord, I'm returning in faith. I'm back. I put my faith and I put my trust in you. And where my faith has grown dim and that has died off, I surrender to you this morning. And then I speak and I pray this over every single person that's listening to me now. That you will walk in the call and the purpose and the destiny that the Lord Jesus Christ has for you and any area that has died off that needs life he will breathe new life breathe new life into it and any area in your life that has become dormant and any any ministry that you've laid down because you were hurt you were abused or no one recognized you this morning you pick that mantle up again and it's time to return to what God is calling you to. For those of you who have you've had words spoken over you by the enemy, by yourself and by others that have been lies over your life about who you are and what you're called to. I speak life over that in Jesus' name, the promise of Jesus. Not just to fulfill our destiny, but to see His kingdom come and His will be done. So Lord God, I pray this over every person here this morning, that we will live lives that represent your kingdom well. We will make decisions based on what you are calling us to do. We will not be reckless, but Lord, we want to live lives that are dangerous and meaningful. Because you are trustworthy and you are faithful and you paid the price for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Can I all have you stand with me, please? The best way to remind ourselves what he's done and what we are called to is to we share communion with each other. We do this every Sunday. So there are four tables in the sanctuary. There's one on either side here. If you can make your way to the tables, the, they've been prepared. And you take one of the crackers, speak to each other, be happy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Walk in strength. Grab one of the little rice crackers and the, the juice. And we're going to get together and we're going to have communion together.
All right, now that you're all back at your seats. Let's make a, a conscious decision this morning that if we're not facing Jesus 100%, if we are not set on that course, that we'll just shift our dial, we'll just return to what God has called us to. Where you've perhaps laid down a ministry that He's called you to, there's a promise of your life that you've perhaps shelved. The things that He's got for you, that you, you, you're heading in a different direction. You just shifted slightly off course. The dreams and promises that he's made over your life and you've shifted slightly off course. Just shift slightly back. This is a, phys- this is a physical, this is a, a prophetic declaration. This is a, it's a physical prophetic declaration. Not really his body, not really his blood. <clears throat> this morning you have to make a, a shift, just a, a small adjustment into the way you're doing things. There's a, I want you to physically just shift a little bit, just slightly no one even has to notice get your feet to shift Lord God we will not run from you and we will do whatever you've called us to do and we'll walk in obedience as we have faith in you Jesus you paid the price for our sins you took care of us you've got a plan for us there's a purpose for us not just as individuals but as a church as a body so as we break this little cracker Lord God we will walk in the purpose that you have for us. We declare healing over bodies in Jesus' name. Now you've got one hand free because now you only have the cup to hold. If you need healing, could you put your hand up? If you're standing near somebody that has put their hand up, you've got your cup, go and stand with them really quickly. Let's pray for the sick. By his stripes we are healed. The product of his stripes was the blood his body was broken for us so Lord as we drink the juice we lay hands on friends and family and we trust you for healing in Jesus name healing to come healing to come in Jesus name as we drink the juice healing over bodies in Jesus name You wouldn't mind just leaving your cups on your seats or that would be the best. It just makes it easier to clean up and to throw away if you cannot throw it away. <clears throat>